The following is a guest devotional given by the Rev. Zach Keel at Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, please visit us online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. Psalm this morning, as you guessed, is Psalm 88. Psalm 88, this is God's word. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a whore to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You've caused my beloved and my friend to shun me, even my companions, darkness. Let's pray. Glorious Father, we thank you for your word, for it is perfect, sure, and enduring forevermore. It is like honey, Lord, to us, reviving our soul and making our hearts rejoice and giving us wisdom. Therefore, Lord, bless this time as we come to your word and we turn to it once again. May you encourage our souls and build up our faith as you turn our hearts and our minds once again to our great Savior, Christ Jesus, he who died for us so that we might have life in him. Amen. Psalm 88 has been described as one of the most tragic songs, the darkest, saddest psalm in the entire Psalter. It is one of of wail of sorrow from beginning to end. Indeed, so gloomy is Psalm 88 that it ends without a single glimmer of hope. Only with the psalmist's unanswered prayer does it end as he is left in the deepest, darkest regions of Sheol, 
the land of no return. Now, Psalm 88, as a lament, opens the way we would expect with a call to God. Indeed, we see the very faith of the psalmist at the beginning when he calls out to his Lord. He says, O Lord, God of my salvation. He's confident the Lord can save him from his anguished state. He has no doubt that the Lord has the ability, the power. Thus, he lifts up his praise to the Lord and pleads, Lord, hear me. But from what does the, Lord, does the psalmist need deliverance? Well, verse 3, for my soul is full of troubles. His soul is filled up with evils. Evils is all he knows. Indeed, his life has been hurled, cast into Sheol. The man is about to die, or better yet, he feels as if he's already dead. For Sheol is the realm of the dead, the place where the dead are gathered. In fact, this is one of the key aspects of Psalm 88. All its mythological language in all its references to the realm of the dead. Indeed, it is as if the psalmist is passing through death. This is how he is considered. In verse 4, others think he's dead. They lift up his hand only for it to fall like a rock. They feel no pulse. For he's a man without strength. Like a man slain on the battlefield, he lies in the grave. He's cut off, forgotten by God. His body has no life left in it. Notice the irony of terms in verse 5. He says he's set free. Here a term often used to refer to freed slaves. But he says he's set free not unto liberty, but among the dead. Yes, he walks where the dead do not suffer the living to tread. This is the deep agony of the psalmist. Mingling with the dead in the land of forgetfulness, the psalmist is shunned by all who knew him. Verse 8. Friend, loved one, companion, all look upon him as an abomination. He's unclean, he's accursed, he's a corpse. In his darkest hour, he's abandoned. The hour of death is meant to be spent near loved ones who hold your hand. Yet there's no one here for the psalmist to comfort him. No one to hold his hand to give him one last smile as he slips off into death. He's deserted. He's alone. However, what is the source of the psalmist's awful distress? Is he sick? Does he have enemies pursuing him? Has some odd calamity befallen him? Well, no, there's no mention of any of these things, as is so common in the other laments. They only mention the, the only mentioned cause for his horrendous state is the Lord himself in verses 6 and 7. It is the Lord who has put this man in the deepest regions of Sheol. It is the wrath of God that has overcome him like a great wave engulfing a surfer. Well, if the Lord's wrath is upon me, surely it's discipline, right? But there's no suggestion of such discipline. The psalmist confesses no sin. He does not repent for some iniquity. Granted, the intention of the psalm might be for us to supply this, but it is glaringly absent. It is as if the psalmist is righteous. Indeed, what is highlighted is that the psalmist is under God's wrath. He is under the ban, the harem. The psalmist is going through the death passage ordeal. 
and he must overcome these powers of Abaddon. But like a raging sea, the Lord's wrath encircles him. He grasps for air, but the psalmist is overcome. The arrows of the Almighty pierce him. The Almighty's terrors engulf the psalmist. The holy wrath of God is too much. The psalmist is helpless. Yet amid these waves of fury, notice the persistence of the psalmist. He still cries out. Night and day he cries. Every day he calls upon the Lord. Verse 9. And 13, in the morning he still lifts his prayer to the Lord. The psalmist will not give up. He knows that God is his God of salvation. So he continues to plead for salvation. Even with his breath taken away. Then in verses 10 and 12, the psalmist even pleads with the Lord's will. He reasons with him with a series of questions. Lord, why would you want to leave me in the pit? The darkness of, of Abaddon. For there the psalmist cannot praise him. He cannot know the Lord's loving kindness or mercy or righteousness or wonder. Why leave me there, says the psalmist. Here the psalmist equates life with praising God, knowing of his wonders. And death is being separated from God, unable to rightly worship, unaware of God's wonders and grace. So how does the psalm end? Well, it is in the end that makes this psalm so dark and distressing. In 8b, in the second part of 8, the psalmist is shut in in the realm of Sheol, he says. He is imprisoned under God's wrath, and he says, I cannot escape. He can't get out. Then look at verse 18. Now, this verse is somewhat difficult, but probably the best way to translate it is that you have caused my beloved, my friends to shun me, even my companions. Darkness. Yes, the last word of the psalm is darkness. This is how the psalm ends. The Lord does not answer. He has rejected the psalmist. He has hidden his face. Thus, for the psalmist, there's only darkness, no light. There's only death and no life. Indeed, all we have here in Psalm 88 is half of an exodus. All this, the death passage, judgment, ordeal imagery of Sheol and darkness and raging deep waters and the pit brings us back to the exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea. However, there is no other side. There is no dry ground. There is no western shore. The psalmist is left in the middle of the sea when the dry ground begins to turn back into mud. His feet begin to sink, and he looks up to see the walls of water crashing down around him. Yes, he passes through the depths of death. He undergoes the judgment ordeal, but there is no vindication, no dry ground. Thus, the psalm ends with no answer, no rescue, no confession of the Lord's help, and no praise. In the end, the psalmist dies holding in his feeble, lifeless hand only his confession, Lord, God of my salvation. We are left with only silence as the death waters calm after swallowing up the psalmist. This is Psalm 88, a psalm that is truly stark, lonely, and pain-riddled, unrelieved by a single 
ray of comfort and hope. But how does the New Testament approach this psalm? Well, Revelation picks up and uses this mythological language to speak of hell itself, the deep pit of death and despair. Thus, in Revelation 9.11, Abaddon is used as the name for the king of the bottomless pit, as his demonic locusts come forth to torture mankind. Yet there is something more significant from a New Testament's from the New Testament use of this psalm than just the abyss and all its dark terrors of death, demons, and destruction. For Luke alludes to Psalm 88 in chapter 23, 49, and he says this, And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. As Jesus gives up his spirit and breathes his last, On that dark day of the cross, all his companions stand back and watch. They shun him as an abomination. He's alone. Alone and deserted by loved ones and companions, Jesus was rejected by God. The Father hid his face from the only begotten Son on the cross that day. The Psalm 88 moves us to Christ, the one who did truly suffer God's judicial ordeal. He was made to pass through the punishment of Abaddon and death. The cross was his death passage under the wrath of God with no answer. Indeed, Psalm 88 points us to Jesus' spiritual pain and torment on the cross that makes his physical pain pale in comparison. For he descended into hell, the land of no return, of deep darkness and anguish. In those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We hear Psalm 88. And even though our Savior held on to the confession, Lord, the God of my salvation, he breathed his last. He died as one considered an abomination. For him, there was darkness. However, this unmatchless pain and suffering, this deep darkness of death, was not without purpose. To be sure, it had the highest purpose of all, the glory of God through the salvation of sinners. Jesus died as one forsaken under God's wrath for us, for our salvation. He did it so that God might be both just and the justifier of those who believe in Christ. He did it because he loved us. In fact, our Savior suffered the wrath of God in the deepest regions of Abaddon so that we might be freed from it. As Jesus says in Revelation 1.18, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, but behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death and Hades. Truly, Psalm 88 was given so that we might know how great his love for us is. And by under, that is by understanding his anguish all the more that he suffered for us and for our salvation. Therefore, as we see our Savior in Psalm 88, we are able to rightly pray this psalm. Yes, there will be times when you feel like Psalm 88 maybe even at the end of the semester. But when you suffer in this manner, do not despair. 
When the Lord seems not to answer, do not be despondent. For you suffer united to Christ, your Savior. You suffer as a child of the Heavenly Father, a co-heir with Christ. And as the Apostle says in Romans 8, we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Thus, even though God will seem silent at times, you can know that surely as Jesus rose from the grave, from Sheol, on that third day, so God will hear you and raise you up in glory on that last day. Even though Psalm 88 ends with darkness, Psalm 89 begins praising God for his covenant love and fidelity that he swore to his people in David. Truly, death is lost its sting, for our Savior holds the keys to the realm of death. And even though we still feel death's pain, death can no longer drown out with its darkness and with its darkness the glorious hope of resurrected life with our Savior. It can no longer darken that glorious hope to a life where we will praise God for his wonders, his love, his faithfulness, and righteousness forever. Amen. You're dismissed. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.